Today's episode of Your Stories is brought to you by Emporium Barcade. Emporium hosts awesome game, beer, food, and live music events daily in Wicker Park and Logan Square. Visit Emporium Chicago for more info. Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, Comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there. No questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, Maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story and their story is your story and then it's our story and then it's a podcast so it's everybody's story and then you've shared it and gosh that's great huh and even if you don't think you're a nerd you probably are it's easily the most midwestern thing i've ever been a part of Hey everybody, my name is Eric Arnell, and this is part two of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories July 2015 podcast, featuring the theme Discovery, as we present a show curated by Tanner Woodford, Executive Director of the Chicago Design Museum. Uh, Tanner brought a bunch of friends and fantastic speakers to our usual recording space during Chicago Design Week this year, and what resulted was a really cool episode. Uh, this time out, you'll hear from the Exhibition Director of the Museum, Matthew Turdich, uh, the Communications Director of Chicago Ideas Week, Catherine Terrell, the Founder of Plural, Renata Grah, and the Program Program manager at the Illinois Humanities Festival, as well as the founder and director of Salonathon, Jane Beachy. Uh, there's also music from myself, Dwight Hassler, and Claire Friedman. Uh, seriously, this was just a great lineup, and we hope you enjoy listening to it because it was super fun to make. Uh, so we just did two Your Story shows in the past week. Both were really excellent, so thank you if you supported them. Uh, so I'm a little light on plugs right now, which, let's be real, uh, probably just makes you happier. So let me take this time again to thank our sponsors for the episode, Emporium Barcade, which has locations in Wicker Park and Logan Square. Uh, a few years ago, the Nerdlogs did a superhero bar crawl. Uh, Emporium was the last stop of our night, and man, that was a great choice. So please go spend at least an evening there. There's video games, there's great beer, you will not regret it. Uh, also, thanks again to the Chicago Podcast Co-op and to all the other wonderful shows that are part of the co-op, including a few others produced by the Nerdalogs, like MBSing with Mary Beth Smith and Talking Games. Uh, that's honestly all I've got to say right now, guys, so just enjoy this. So like I said, these songs are a little more contemporary than we usually do. It's weird to have like four songs from 2000 from us in a row. Spoiler. But, uh, well, we're going to take a step back to the 80s. I think 80s, maybe 90s for a minute here with the it's a little more classic. So this band, this is one of my favorite Discovery stories. They were discovered by the guitar player of the Pretenders because they were busking outside a Pretenders concert. No way! Yeah. This is one of my favorite bands. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Yeah. This is a, a good song. 
Do you like American music? I like American music. Don't you like American music? which was probably 2008. Uh, the Violent Femmes were the only band to have a platinum album but never have a top 40 single. Wow. Bump that. that is, you learn something new every day. Yeah. <laughs> that is sad, too. I'm sad for the Violent Femmes. <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah. We have uh, some excellent speakers coming up in the second half. Uh, sorry, uh, Tanner, to put you on the spot with the first half there. You did great, man. Pressure's off you. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. So, uh, earlier, uh, Philip 
warned us that this speaker uh, maybe has has tossed his cookies once or twice in an important situation. <laughs> Try to keep this theater clean. It's only been open a few months. I'm sure Kevin would appreciate having to clean up. This is from the, the exhibition director of the Chicago Design Museum, Woo! Matthew Turdich. Yeah, so... Um, I feel like I have to address that a little bit. <laughs> Let me get set situated here. Uh, so just, you know, you already heard one story about me, but uh, I can't uh, really confirm or deny uh, whether or not that happened because I actually don't remember. So maybe that tells you something about that. Uh, <laughs> So it's, it's really appropriate for me that the title of today's uh, event is Your Stories, because my story is about uh, stories. Um, and stories have always played an important role for me in my life. Uh, when I was growing up, my mom was uh, an English teacher, and so naturally the house was filled with books. Uh, and that was really, uh, that was really, really good for me when I was, when I was a kid, because I was... Whoa. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Tanner. <laughs> I'm already nervous, and then there's like big interruptions. I'm like, oh, what am I do? Um, yeah, but you know, so that was a uh, that was actually really great for me because, uh, like I said, I was I was really shy when I was a kid, and so I would spend a lot of time uh, holed up in my room, uh, reading a lot of books and, and and drawing. And the books that this is where you're about to find out uh, what a what a big nerd I am. So two stories that Philip told you. Uh, <laughs> And so the books that I always gravitated towards the most were the ones that uh, that were sort of characterized by these really sort of fantastic adventures, all sorts of different bizarre creatures, uh, wizards, dragons, aliens, spaceships, all that stuff. So, um, and those stories were really important for me because I think that uh, you know they, um, uh, you know, for for me, what was important about them was that uh, you know no matter how fantastic or or bizarre those situations were. Um, they always really, at their core, dealt with sort of the the essence of the human condition, and I think that you know, as a as a young reader, being able to see past the sort of cloak of fantasy, and uh, and really put yourselves in those characters' shoes and understanding what they were going for was a really uh, sort of a critical lesson uh, for me to realize. Uh, so I also uh, grew up watching a lot of movies: Star Wars, Star Trek. Lots of things with stars in them. Only one. Woo! That's it. It's an event of nerds, and you guys are all like, "No." Oh. Here's another one for you: Dark Crystal, Labyrinth. Oh, that's going. Cool. That got better, yeah. Um, and so, one of my favorite things to do is go to the video store to pick out a new film to watch. And and I was always kind of really fascinated by the packaging of these uh, uh, of these uh, sort of video cassettes and the sleeves. They are always characterized by these really sort of rich um, illustrated tableaus of various characters and scenes from the films. And then this kind of like quirky, uh, 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 quirky exotic lettering, hand-drawn lettering that, that would sort of display the title of the um, of the movie. And so, you know, I would, I would, you know, kind of be inspired by that, and then go home and and, and obviously watch the films that I would rent. But uh, go home and try to recreate those drawings, either either as sort of replicas of what I remember from the packaging, or as uh, illustrations from the books that I was reading. You know, and sort of as I got a little bit older, it extended into junior high and high school. And I would try to, when I would do uh, posters and program covers for the different uh, clubs and, and, and events and, and, and things that were happening at the schools. 
Uh, and, and that was a really way for me to kind of activate my imagination and try to think about how do you, how do you, how do you visualize, you know, a world that you can't see, any situations that you can't see. Uh, but that, for me, was kind of the extent of what I knew, uh, you know, a designer or an artist would do. I thought, oh, you want to be, a, you want to be a designer, you want to be, you know, you, that's what you did. You made posters for movies or images for movies or book covers or or, or these program covers or whatever. Uh, so anyway, when it came time to go to to uh, college, I ended up enrolling at UIC, and. Uh, you know, for a number of reasons, it was affordable for me. It was in an urban, uh, uh, obviously it was in Chicago, it was in an urban environment. I thought that was important. Um, if I wanted to study design, which I didn't know what it was still back then. Um, and, and also it was university, and so I thought it was important to be around people that were studying uh, things other than design. And I also wanted to have the opportunity to study things other than design. So given all that, you can imagine my surprise when the, the very first design class uh, came around and they gave us a ruling pen, a straight edge, and a piece of 11 by 14 Bristol board, which is basically like cardstock, and told us to draw 33 parallel, uh, perfect parallel horizontal rule lines. And I thought, what the hell is that? Like, how come we're not drawing creatures and, and all the, the dragons? Where are the dragons, you know? What's going on? Uh, and so I was sort of like flummoxed by that. I thought, ah. Um, <laughs> And so, you know, but but a part of me also kind of recognized that there was something there because I thought this is so bizarre and I was kind of so fascinated by the fact that I had never seen anything like that before that I, I thought, well, nobody would make you do something like that without a, without a really good reason or a purpose. And I wanted to know what that was. And so sure enough, as the classes progressed, we started to work with uh, basic shapes. We started to work with textures. We started to work with typography. We started to work with letter forms. Uh, patterns, images, you know, and, and what I got out of that was this understanding that all of these sort of basic uh, studies that we were doing um, were really teaching us how to understand the relationships between these basic visual elements. And uh, that was really that was really sort of uh, kind of very uh, important for me in my development. Um, you know, and, and, and through these sort of really structured, focused, um, and deliberate studies, we were we were sort of building um, a, a rich visual language, and and but also a visual language for formal expression, but also a uh, a language of critical analysis and thought, so that we were really understanding the things that we were creating, who we were creating them for, how they go out into the world, how they affect people in the world, um, who they are made for and also a way to activate our imagination so that we're not just sort of relying on the very first sketch that we come up with, but really trying to explore all the visual possibilities and, and all the visual um, directions that, that uh, can, uh, an idea can lead, lead into. And so it wasn't so much later that I discovered that, that this process that we engage in as designers um, is really ultimately concerned with the same themes of, of, of thoughtfulness and empathy and imagination that these stories that I was reading as a boy um, were concerned with. And, and ultimately, like a lot of the stories that we, that we tell each other are concerned with. Um, and I think for me, that was a really beautiful moment to kind of make that connection because it kind of united this, this sort of boyhood um, interest in stories with, with what I do now as a designer and, and the language using the sort of visual language of design um, to really be a visual author and to, and to tell stories visually. So... That's uh, that's my story. Thanks for letting me come up.
And I didn't vomit on the stage, so that was a uh, success. Like the record show, the stage is spotless, except for this pick over here. That's okay. <laughs> Overlook that. Matthew, have you gotten to draw any creatures since that first class? Oh, <laughs> all right. No comment on the creature. <laughs> all right, guys, coming up next, the communications director for Chicago Ideas Week, Catherine Terrell. Hola, I thought you were going to join me for a second. I was like, we're going to rap, and I don't know anything. Um, okay, so... The theme of tonight is discovery, which is so appropriate because if I can think of one word that is constantly rotating in my uh, playlist of words, it would be discovery, and that's because I'm going to blame my parents, as most of us do, for our problems. Um, When I was younger, I used to read my dad's magazines, not the dirty ones. He had the cool ones. Um, And he... A conservative guess would be that he subscribed to at least, I'd say, like, five to eight car magazines. And so I remember being in, like, second grade, and I was reading a Motor Trend magazine, and I flipped to this page, and it was the Land Rover Discovery Series. And I think initially I was drawn to this truck because... Being the third child, I was always shoved to the back seat or the third row of the car. And it's not because my brother and sister were assholes, but they were assholes. Um, but, you know, like, looking, I, w- I was really drawn to it. And as a, I'm not a designer, but for the designers in the room, you can appreciate this. I was really excited to see someone took the time to design the third row seat that had its own sunroof. There was pockets in the ceiling. It was really fucking cool for someone who always spent their time in the third row, <laughs> like myself. And so I've been advised not to tell you, a room full of nerds this, but discovery has been the password for all of my passwords. So, <laughs> um, so like instant messenger, Napster, I'm aging myself. Um, but I actually checked today and I can confirm that that only rings true for one password and that's my Wi-Fi. So you're welcome. If you come to my house, <laughs> Trout Manor, the password is discovery. You don't even have to ask me. You can just use it. So um, that's where, that's the origin of discovery. And that's why, like, since I was a child, it's just constantly reoccurring in my life, not just because of the passwords. Um, the second story related to discovery is that at Chicago Ideas, I manage a group called the Co-op. And the Co-op is a group of around 100 city leaders and they apply to get in. There's really badass people in it, like <laughs> like Tanner, um, Charles Adler, one of the founders of Kickstarter, Kathleen Wright. She started a company, a clothing company called Peace and Co. that employs women all around the world in India and in South America. So it's this really cool group of people that we get together four times a year, and the whole purpose of this group is to make 
connections, get the decision leaders in the same room together to make Chicago a better city. And so um, the last time we got together, it was in May, and the theme of the night was Nogar Chicago. And so I had the challenge of giving everyone the task of expanding outside the co-op and getting to know someone who you pass on a regular basis, whether that's like someone you see jogging every night or you're a barista, the newspaper person. Does anyone have a newspaper boy? (laughs) No. But if you do. um, So it was, you know, like take that person out for a coffee. And so I challenged myself before I challenged my co-op to do this. And I'm going to take you way back to a whole month ago in, like, May, when I went with our director of our youth program, who's actually here in the audience tonight, Rachel. She's right there. If you want to talk about youth and getting involved, she's always about it. You can buy me a coffee later for that, so you're welcome. (laughs) But um, we went to this thing. We took 20 ambassadors, and we went to this thing called We Day, which it's – you can't buy a ticket to. It's for it's for youth. It's for high school students who volunteer their time, and when they volunteer, they get a ticket. So you can't buy. You just have to volunteer, and it's so it's great for them because it's like they realize how cool it is to volunteer, and then they get to hear like all these amazing people speak. And then for adults, it's really cool because you realize how old you are, um, <laughs> and how like out of touch you are. So like Selena Gomez was our host for the day. So just you can see where that's going. Um, so I felt really... Although Tyrese, I thought, like, none of the kids would know who he was, and he walked out on stage, and everyone went fucking bonkers, and because he's in the Fast and the Furious movie. So anyways, which I just watched one. Don't judge me. Number six. Can't wait for number seven. Um, so anyways... Um, so... Um, so I had this whole music day and my fiance texted me and he's like, Hey, like we're going to death cat for cutie tonight at the Chicago theater. And I was like, sweet. So I like had this whole day of music at we day. And then I went to see death cat for cutie and I was waiting on the train platform, blue line, which was late. And I was waiting there for the train to come, and I started hearing this amazing music, and it was this violinist. And so I went up to him, and I was like, hey, I want to take you out for coffee. Like, your music's amazing. And he literally had a crowd around him, and I videotaped him a couple times without trying to look creepy. But as you know, I probably looked creepy because I was videotaping a stranger. And so he actually ended up calling me. And I had him perform at our May co-op event like two weeks later, and he ended up performing with Orber Davis, who's also in the co-op, who's an Emmy Award-winning trumpeter. So these two played together. They had never met each other until that night, and they just, like, riffed off each other. And it was amazing to watch these two just, like, kind of discover what the other person was great at, and they just played off of each other. So um, it's amazing to see, like and to discover who's around you and how amazing just people are. So, like, I met an amazing musician on the train platform, and so I'm sure there's lots of amazing people here, so you should discover those people. And then my final story is about a initiative that I run, and it's called Books on the L. And so last week was Global Sharing Week, and we ended up dropping around 300 books uh, with our partner, Open Books, who donated the books to us on the L trains. And so 
actually, I hid two books underneath the chair, so everyone look right now. Although I think one's under an empty chair. It might be over here. So just any you have to like feel because I taped them. I'm talking to you, girl in the glasses with the blonde hair, cute haircut. You have a book. I got a chair sticker. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, anyways, it's fun to discover, like, books on the train, and they're for free, and it's awesome. And so that's the program we run, and it was brought to my attention by my boss, who was like, hey, you're a nerd, you have glasses, and we turned, like, I, my second bedroom is a library, if that gives you a hint, so I, I'm a big, I'm a big book fan, and so she's like, hey, um, we have this speaker, her name was Holly Belton, she's an artistic director for Leo Burnett in London, and she was reading a book on the underground, and she wanted to share her book, and she didn't know how to do it, and so being the creative person that she was she created a sticker she has a whole program it's called books on the underground i highly recommend that you check it out after you check out books on the l (laughs) which is what we ended up bringing to chicago and initially we were going to buy books and i was quoted even at a discount i was quoted at like thirteen thousand dollars which was comical because i had zero money so i was like that's great that's not going to work so um, I discovered it can be really scrappy. And so we actually ended up getting our speakers who were coming to Chicago Ideas Week, which is this year from October 12th through the 18th. So mark your calendar. <laughs> um, so we ended up asking some of our speakers to get involved who were on book tours. And the first speaker that was like, hey, I'm going to give you like 100 bucks was Peter Till. And I was like, okay, cool. This thing has legs and we can make this happen in Chicago. So we ended up dropping off around 1,000 books before Chicago Ideas Week within three weeks leading up to, which is really fun. And so now we have the mayor's support. We have the CTA support, and we're working right now with, I met with the Chicago Public Library for an initiative I can't tell you about yet, but you'll just have to follow along with me. Um, And so we're hoping to drop off now at least like around 1,500 books uh, in October leading up to Chicago Ideas Week. And so... um, These are three random stories about discovery, you know, discovery about cars and the functionality of the back seat which don't take that in a dirty sense and then you know discovering amazing people and then also discovering books and just like everyone here was like is it me is the book underneath my chair you and the glasses yes it is so um you know just like everyone has their own um, idea of what discovery means to them and you should hold on to that and you should cherish it and then also discover where it takes you from there. So that's my story. Thank you, Catherine. I I just want to, on your second story there, I want to point out, man, we really do have some like amazing people in the audience tonight. So everyone, please enjoy this crowd. This is super great. Thanks, Tanner. You're doing great. You did drop that cell phone, but other than that, A+. Plus. A+, plus, man. All right, guys, we have two more speakers tonight. Coming next to the stage, the founder of Plural, Renata Gras. So I'm a graphic designer, like many of you in the audience. And to be honest, I didn't know what that meant 
What is it to be a graphic designer? My mother told me I wanted to be a firefighter when I grew up, but I don't really remember wanting that at all. <laughs> I do remember her taking me to an antique store. I was probably 10 or 11, and I'm really not sure why we were there, but I do remember vaguely she knew the person in charge of the store. So while we were there and she was chit-chatting away, I was left to explore that mysterious place. It was dark and full of objects containing memories, memories that were not mine. Things looked weird and used and strange, and I was trying to understand this place when I saw it. It was high up on a wall. It was big and powerful. And you know that moment when you feel a punch in your stomach and you see something so beautiful you want to cry? I hope I don't cry right now. <laughs> I felt that punch. My mouth, my mouth was drying up. And it was so high and so big. It was sort of a drawing of a ship. It had... Um, it was from the vantage point that I was on, it was a ship that looked like it was going to go over my head. It had these little birds on the bottom and smoke coming out of it. And uh, there was some type on the bottom of it, too. I was deep into looking at it when I heard, Do you like it? Mm. It was a lady from the store. I saw my mother proudly smiling at me. She did that whenever she introduced me to her friends. I was deeply embarrassed. Like any 10-year-old kid, I don't remember why, but I had that feeling I should not like these things. They looked old and not really cool, or were they? I remember this woman, the store owner. She had weird glasses and sitting behind the desk, she explained to me, this was an original Cassandra poster. Cassandra what? A Cassandra poster from the 30s. He was a French artist and had been commissioned by a cruise liner to make that poster, she explained. She told me the store specialized in art deco. I probably looked really confused because she pulled a book from her shelf and showed me other posters by that guy, the Cassandra guy. He also designed typefaces, she said. What? People do that? Really? Is that a thing? I had never thought things were designed. Up until that point, the world just was. Things were just there. There was a fork and a knife toilets, things that your parents make sure you use properly. I had a bicycle. I had to learn how to ride. I had books. I've seen maps. I've been to a mall. But really, design? Somehow, I knew people invented things. They existed, but now I was trying to imagine what that process could be like. That day I realized 
Everything in that store was designed. By the way, I'm still looking for a cruise liner to hire me to do that post. (laughs) But I'm sure it could never be as beautiful as the one I saw that day. Thank you, Renata. Man, that was great. All right, guys, we have one more storyteller tonight. Everyone has been super wonderful. Please welcome our last speaker, the program manager at the Illinois Humanities Festival, as well as the founder director of Solanathon. This is Jane Beachy. Hello, everybody. How's it going? Good. Oh, good. Um, it's a little bit intimidating being in a room full of designers because you are all very stylish, savvy people, and dark crystal, blingy shoes, violent femmes, you clearly have really good taste. (laughs) So, good job on that. Okay. So, compliment someone on having good taste in music, and that person will probably not tell you that their taste traces back to someone else's. They will not confess that they got it from reading Pitchfork or Shazamming every song played in their cool friend's car. They will simply say thank you, because everyone wants to appear to have discovered good music on their own. I used to play that game when I was still intermittently trying to convince people I was cool. (laughs) To a certain extent, it was true. I didn't learn anything musically from my older sister during my formative years. She was listening to a cappella music and Huey Lewis and the News during the mid-90s. <laughs> Hip to be square, anybody? No? Okay. Uh, so I did what any Delia's catalog subscribing teenager would do. I repeatedly joined Columbia House's program where you get 15 tapes <laughs> for just pennies and then canceled the membership again before it got expensive and I got in trouble for rejoining it. Um, I had no choice but to take stabs in the dark when making my selections, basing them primarily on band name and album cover. (laughs) This produced mixed results. Uh, Jesus Lizard was not speaking to 15-year-old me, while Elastica knocked my socks off and had me speaking insouciantly in a British accent for weeks. Uh, During the desperately trying to be ahead of the game era, I focused on the artists and albums I found on my own or by coincidence as if that somehow meant I had earned my fandom of them, had beaten all the bleeding sheep that had to be led to them. I regaled people with the story of that time I bought a used tape for $4 because the artist's name was unpronounceable and I was sure the music would make a great joke if... But after listening to Bjork's debut a few times through... I realized I was listening to a weird genius. (laughs) But all of that doesn't paint the full picture. I'm leaving out one of my major influences and someone who is single-handedly responsible for much of my taste as a high school cool kid wannabe in the mid-90s, my short-lived boyfriend, Matt. Matt was a diminutive, broody dancer. Uh, He was my size. And I loved how our relationship kind of messed with people's ideas of gender and sexuality. Like, half the time I sat on his lap, and half the time he sat on mine. (laughs) Matt was always ahead of the game musically. I don't know how he did it. Was he playing the same album roulette I was playing with Columbia House? He was the oldest in his family, but perhaps there was an older cousin However he was doing it, he always seemed to have effortlessly assembled the sounds and accoutrement of coolness before anyone else even saw them coming. 
And let's remember that we are talking about the era of uh, the mixtape. A single good mix could change your whole game in 90 minutes or 60 if you were using those cheaper Maxwell tapes. Uh, Matt made me a mix at the beginning of our relationship and changed my game it did. One piece of plastic and some ribbon introduced me to Liz Fair, PJ Harvey, The Pixies, Kate Bush, Kristen Hirsch, and more. This may all sound trite now or... You might just all be so much younger than me that you have no idea what I just said. Uh, that's fine. But for a young girl in the suburbs desperately seeking the sounds that could reflect her tormented spirit, the impact on my life would be immense. But not yet. I was young. I was that kind of young that meant I was still skeeved out by displays of affection from boys, even artistic boys with a lot of feelings. Uh, so I threw the tape in a pile somewhere and was and just mainly ignored it. Soon, between my tepid tape response and amid accusations that I didn't miss him enough when I went away for two weeks during the summer, Matt decided he was done with me, or I decided I was done with Matt, or we decided we were done with one another, or whatever it was, we were done. Uh, and this provoked that other seminal mid-90s teen tradition, the breakup note. <laughs> I don't remember the exact contents of Matt's letter to me, though I do remember the following phrases scrawled in angry boy handwriting. You are very protective of your pain, girl. <laughs> and I did not run off with Sarah, so fuck off from that. <laughs> According to custom, this letter was folded one million times and passed to me in the hall during passing period by a mutual friend who just wanted to stay out of it. Um... Before I could open the note and read all of these angry phrases, however, I was confronted with some strange poetry on the outside flap of the folded-up note. I read it again and again, trying to make sense of it, and eventually I gave up. Only weeks later, riding around in the back of my friend's junkie Honda, did it all come together in a whirlwind of truth. He'd done it again, been ahead of the game. He'd discovered these immortal words, these eternal notes, before they had a hold on a whole generation. And to this day, when I hear this righteous melody, I see in his angry scrawl, I'm here to remind you of the mess you left when you went away. It's not fair to deny me of the cross I bear that you gave to me. You ought to know. <laughs> Strangely, once he clearly wanted nothing to do with me besides reminding me, uh, I was drawn back to his mixtape uh, mix and dis finally discovered its many splendors. To think, for once in my life, I could have been legitimately a few months ahead of the game if only I'd listened when he gave it to me. But that's how it always is, right? It's the good advice that you just didn't take. <laughs> Who would have thought? Figures. Yeah, 
We did ironic a couple months ago. Thank you, Jane. Uh, we're going to squander that compliment on our musical taste with our last selection. This is the second worst idea I had. Justin coming up with uh, stuff for this. So, uh, <laughs> these were... These are two artists. We're doing a mashup, guys. It's like on Glee. It's just oh, no, like... Don't sell it like that. <laughs> Speaking of Fox shows about music, one of them was discovered by America. <laughs> and the other was discovered at a gas station. Which is uh, Kelly Clarkson and Tony Braxton. These are two songs that we decided to mash up because wow. they work wow. thematically. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, I decided to mash up because they work thematically, and then Eric really came through. <laughs> so I really like this mashup because it tells the story of like an uneven breakup, which maybe you know some of you guys can relate to that. But um, musically, these songs couldn't be more different. So Claire was like, "Here, this works," and I'm like, "Hmm, maybe." What are oh cleaning water? Yeah, I'm such need, a diva. I know. <laughs> Just like Kelly or yeah. something. We started out friends It was cool, it was all pretend Yeah, yeah Since you've been gone You dedicated, you took the time Wasn't long till I called you mine Yeah, yeah Since you've been gone Don't leave me in all of this pain Don't leave me out in the rain Come back and bring back my smile Come and take these tears away I need your arms to hold me now The nights are so unkind Bring back those nights when I held you beside me You had your chance, you blew it 
years away. Ha, I guess you never felt that way. Can't you just that way? Since you've been gone. Since you've been gone. Since you've been gone. Since you've been gone. Your Stories is a proud member of the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you like this show, you should also try an hour with your ex. Comedians Mel Evans and Mark Coulomb force each other to watch their favorite movies and TV. The title started as a joke but led to a marriage. But it's still just a podcast. This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.